0: Hi there. This is Cheryl Richardson and I'm here for our weekly Facebook Live and I'm looking forward to spending some time with you and um, offering some coaching and some support. So when you join feel free to let me know that you're here and let me know where you're from. I'd love to know where you're um, watching in from. So hi Debbie. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. And um, I'm going to start today with um, a little gift. Hi, Terry. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Um, I love uh, Anne-Marie Gianni's skincare line. I've been using it for a long time. It's organic, it's clean, it smells fantastic, and um, it really works. It really does a great job of um, protecting the skin, taking good care of it. And um, one of the things I love, one of the products that I love the most in the summer is their sunscreen. This is it. I don't know if you can see it. There we go. Anne-Marie Gianni. It's called um, Sun Love. Anyway, they sent me a couple of bottles and I said that um, I I wanted to give some away to my community. So what I'll do is once um, we finish today, I'll go through and just randomly pick a couple of people. Make sure you check back in case I pick you. I'll pick a couple of people and um, just ask you to send an email with your address, and I will send you a, a little bottle, a little tube that lasts a long time, of um, Sun Love by Anne-Marie it's, It has like a light, a very light chocolate scent to it, which is kind of yummy, and uh, it works really well. And it's clean. I mean, that's the thing I like the most. Their products are clean. There's no chemicals in them. They work really well, and um, I use it all summer long. So I will do that I will happily send a couple of people some sun love <laughs> from very warm Massachusetts here. It's about probably almost 100 degrees. It's been warm the last few days. We've had a really warm summer, actually. And um, I don't particularly care for the very hot weather, but I'm grateful. I'm, the sun is out, the sky's beautiful, and um, I'm grateful. So let's see. Let me say hi to a few people. Hi, uh, Nisa and Natalie. Welcome. And Mohammed, welcome, and Carol and Robin. Hi, Robin. Happy belated birthday. Robin's birthday was yesterday. Robin is my friend and my bookkeeper and our retreat manager. She does a wonderful job of taking taking care of the people who come to the um, Self Care by the Sea retreat. She does a really beautiful job with that. And um, yesterday was her birthday, so happy birthday, sweetheart. Um, Monica, welcome. Nice to see you here. And Carolina, Carolina, hi, and Mary from Ireland. Hi, Mary, my new new favorite place. (laughs) Oh gosh, I've been dreaming about Ireland ever since I came back. Green fields, sheep, cows, lots of land, um, just beautiful nature. And I'm really looking forward to going back. Hi, um, Jess and Susan and Linda, welcome. And um, Hey, Susan. Hi. I'm glad you're here. Um, Joanne and Anne-Marie and Kathleen and Josie and Louisa and Terry from Ontario, Canada. Love Canada as well. (laughs) Thanks. Susan says, you're looking very Irish today. Yes. Ever since I got back from Ireland, I don't know. I just feel sort of connected to my Irish roots. It's probably also because I spent yesterday at the beach body surfing, which I love. And um, so I have... Freckles. My my Irish freckles are out. Um, Hi, Deborah from Gainesville, Florida. Welcome. And Rebecca and Laura and Ginny and Rose and Jess and and, uh, Carol. Um, Yeah, we're hotter than Vegas right now. You got that right. Daisy, welcome. Love that name. Beautiful name. And uh, Vybeek from Denmark. Welcome to you. And um, Kimberly, hi from Mexico. Hola. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. And Cordula and Kaka Ka- Ka and Jessica and Brenton. Hi, Brenton. Welcome. Um, I hope you got my email, Brenton. Thank you so much for that really beautiful gift. Brenton sent me a, um, a photograph of one of my grace cards. I think it was the presence card um, at Mary's Grotto. He was um, visiting uh, Mary's Grotto and he had sent me this beautiful photograph of um, Of the grotto with the presence card in front of it. So sweet, so thoughtful of you, Brenton. Um, And Sheila, welcome from Ohio. And um, Sherry and Sonia. Anyway, thank you all for being here today. And um, you know, I always give some thought to, much like I do now when I'm teaching, when I lead the retreats or whatever, I I sort of want to just focus in on um, I don't always necessarily plan what I'm going to talk about. I just kind of tune in a half an hour or so beforehand to see what's been up for me lately and what topics are of interest to me. And today I want to talk about the importance of cultivating the ability to not care what people think. And it might not be what you what you think. <laughs> um, so over the summer, I've been reading a lot. I've been putting electronics away and taking out good old-fashioned books. Remember those things? And I've been reading um, a lot of books and I love that. I've loved reading since I was a little girl and uh, was a voracious reader as a teenager and as a young woman. and And I'm just really trying to reconnect with that part of me. So I've been reading a lot. And I think I may have mentioned on one of these Facebook Lives before that one of the books I read this summer was Michael Pollan's Um, How to Change Your Mind. And it was the research that he did into the use of psychedelic drugs um, in the treat. Well, the book was about um, psychedelic drugs and the mind and the effects of the history of psychedelic drug use and the effects of psychedelics on the mind and the brain and consciousness. I'm fascinated by all of those things. I'm fascinated by what makes people tick and what makes the brain do what it does. And um, I think a lot of that for me is really based in my desire as a coach, in particular, has always been to, to look for the ways in which I can say something or do something in a moment of presence with somebody that changes them in a fundamental way. So for example, at the retreats that we do, when I'm doing one-on-one coaching with people in the room, I'm always looking for an opportunity to do what we call in coaching, shift a client, which means you you listen really, really carefully and you you listen for what the truth is beneath the words that the person is using. And then um, it's sort of a combination of experience intellect and intuition, the marriage of those three things, allows me to just be present enough that the right word or phrase or support, coaching, whatever, comes out um, in such a way that it really stops the person in their tracks, kind of scrambles the brain a bit and helps them to think about themselves or their life in a different way. So that's that's what's always been the most interesting thing to me about coaching. Um, it continues to be the most fascinating thing to me. You know, what can we do to help people grow and evolve quickly? How can we help people to um, heal quickly, move on with their lives, live more authentically, more connected to their truth and, and expressing that truth? So that's part of why I'm fascinated by this Experience of um, psychedelics. I've never done um, psychedelics. I was always was in a lot of ways too much of a control freak as a young woman. I was really um, scared to uh, really scared to do to, to do to try it. I wish I wasn't so scared, but I was. And who knows? I may try it as an adult. I don't know. But um, so. After reading Michael's book, I've been, every now and then, um, you know, I'll come across an article. And I came across this article uh, this morning in one of my favorite emails that I get every day, Optimist Optimist Daily. And Terry, if you can just make a note, um, I want to put a link because I really, it's this wonderful email every day. I get it. I'm going to just look here real quick. Um, Every day I get... An email from, um, I just want to see what they're calling it, uh, I mean, the exact address of it. Am I going to find it very quickly or not? Ugh, so frustrating to me when, let me, let me do this. Bear with me people. Optimist. Yeah, the Optimist Daily. So um, I love that email. I get it every day and they list five positive things that's happening in the world. And um, they were talking about, uh, so one of the articles the other day was about psychedelic use in the treatment of anxiety, depression, and existential angst, which in particular is for those people that have maybe been diagnosed with a terminal illness and um, are really struggling with this whole notion of death, right? And the profound impact that uh, that psychedelics have on addicts, and people struggling with depression, anxiety, and with the diagnosis of a terminal illness. So I'm getting to, I promise you, I'm going to get to, I'm setting you up for um, this conversation about not caring what other people think. So I was reading this article this morning um, by a gentleman who had flown to Costa Rica and did a, um, his name was Sean Ealing, I think it was, and he did a week-long retreat in Costa Rica, an ayahuasca retreat which has in it one of the chemicals that they use in psychedelic drug testing. And so he was there for a week and he writes about his experience uh, on the drug. Um, I think he did it four nights in a row. And um, and one of the most profound nights or profound experiences that he had was, um, these are going to be my words not his, so I'm going to just try and uh, kind of re just recap his experience one of the things that really struck me was he talked about almost experiencing a life review where he was able to go back and see all of the times that he made choices and decisions out of a concern about what other people would think not wanting to be judged wanting to be viewed in the right way by somebody all the way back he went all the way back from when he was a young boy up through his adult life the times where he withdrew his energy out of fear, um, the uh, you know the times that he made choices and decisions to not rock the boat. These again, my words, or to manage the perception of others, or to not be judged, or to not risk being feeling embarrassed or humiliated or whatever. And he you know saw each of those experiences, and in this drug-induced state, he was able to see how his this is how I interpreted it, how his concern for what other people think, which is the ego part of us, right? The personality. His concern for what other people think really prevented him from authentic connection, both with himself and with others. So he wasn't able to really express himself in, um, in a, a truthful way, right? Because he was so busy saying the right thing. So anyway, so as I was reading this article, I thought, boy, you know, that's part of—that's the big part of what really attracts me to both coaching and this whole notion of shifting a client, and um, this whole notion of helping people to connect with what's true for them, and then live a life that reflects that truth—is this dismantling of the ego or of the the, the personality that's been constructed in defense of whatever growing up, right? Um, So the personality gets formed from a very young age. I've talked about this before. The personality gets formed from a very young age in reaction to what's happening around us. So when we're kids, we have to protect ourselves. Maybe we have to say the right thing so that we don't get in trouble or that people like us. I can remember being a kid, I was under 12 years old and like bringing gifts to the girls that were in the neighborhood because I wanted them to like me and, you know, bringing little, I don't know, bringing some of my like dolls or coloring books or something and offering it to them or inviting them to play because I wanted to belong. I wanted to feel a part of that club, if you will. And um, and so we, from a very young age, do our best to try and fit in, to um, belong, to do the right thing or do the appropriate thing in whatever given circumstance. And what we sacrifice over time is the truth of our own experience or how we feel. And And one of the things this man said uh, coming out of the experience after spending a week in Costa Rica was that, you know, he really wanted to be more authentic in his interactions with others and in his own life. And so I've I've just been thinking a lot about that this morning, like how many times in my own life do I do things that um, present me in an effort to present me in the right way, you know? I set up Facebook live and I set up my computer and I make sure that my hair looks right. Or I make sure that, you know, I've got lipstick on or, you know, and who am I doing that for? I'm not doing it for me. (laughs) Most days I'm happy to not have any makeup on at all. And uh, to have my hair up in a bun, ask Michael, he'll tell you that. Um, But it it got me thinking about like, how many times have I held back on my opinion about something or my attitude about something or my, um, experience saying, talking about my experience of something because I was afraid that I'd be judged or that people wouldn't get it or would make assumptions about me. Um, and how I, I just, you know, so much of my adult life has been about doing that less and less. And I want to really, continue that in a more significant way. So I hope I'm making sense. (laughs) Um, Let me know if I'm making sense, like give me a thumbs up or a heart or something so I know that this, um, see, because I actually care about what you think right now. (laughs) I wanna make sure that this is making sense to you because one of the things I'm learning as I get older is um, I've said it before, one of the gifts of getting older, one of the real gifts of midlife is that we care less about what other people think and we care more about what we think. And that's so freaking important. And so um, after reading this article I thought, you know, from now on if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody that I just think has a beautiful smile, I want to be able to stop and say, wow, you have a really beautiful smile and not worry about what they think. Or um, if I have an opinion about something in conversation with others. And there's a part of me that thinks, oh, I shouldn't really say that because it's not going to go over well. I'd like to just stop censoring myself and instead um, start speaking my truth and running the risk that it might piss somebody off or that it might make somebody uncomfortable. Now, I'm not talking about being ungracious. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do that. But I am talking about being more honest and truthful. So how do we begin to cultivate this ability to not care so much about what other people think. Now, I, I gotta believe, I know that there's a way to be truthful and authentic while still being respectful and gracious. I think we have a long way to go. Like we've got a lot of leeway in that regard. You don't go from being like timid and sweet and always managing the perceptions of others and wanting to make sure that, you know, People um, like you to being a royal bitch or somebody who's just completely, you know, inappropriately uh, blurting things out. I mean, that's you know, who wants to do that? I don't want to do that, but I do want to. Um, I do want to practice being more truthful about how I feel. Now, one of the things this man in the article talked about recognizing during his experience with psychedelics was how at our core when we can put when we're able to be more connected to who we are um, as beings and less con- less run by the personality, we recognize the exquisite beauty in connecting with each other in authentic ways, the willing our willingness to be vulnerable to tell the truth, um, to tell the truth on ourselves allows us to um, to really create more of a sense of oneness with other people. And I've certainly had that experience. And I know that um, I attempt to do that when I'm teaching. And, um, and I attempt to do that a lot of times when I'm with friends and family. And sometimes people tease me about that. And, you know, if we're all having dinner and I might you know invite people to talk about something great that happened that day or what they're grateful for and some people roll their eyes and I think well too bad we're going to do it anyway or I'm going to do it feel free to join me and we always end up having a richer deeper more satisfying experience so anyway a lot of times people will ask me how do I overcome my fear of public speaking and I say to them you give a lot of speeches right You go out there, you be really kind and loving to yourself. It's how you overcome any fear. You do it a lot and you be really loving to yourself when you're doing it. I think it's the same thing when it comes to um, caring more about truth than what other people think. You just have to practice. You have to do it more and more. And as you do it, as you are willing to say to a friend, during dinner, when you have this sense inside of, wow, I really love this person. And I really, I so appreciate when we're um, together. Like I really love, you know, being willing to to have the, you know, to be able to say to that person, okay, can I just stop right here? I just want to tell you what's going on in my head. Right in this moment, I'm thinking, I really love you. And I love when we get together. I love our time together. And I just want to say that out loud. Like, that's a beautiful example of taking a risk, telling the truth, and not worrying about what other people think. I did this the other day. I, was, I went for a walk with my friend Beth over the weekend. And when I picked her up at her house, and when we – this is a good example. It's a simple example. When I picked up Beth at her house, she got in the car, and she just looked beautiful. There's Like, we were going hiking. She didn't have makeup on. She had lipstick on. She had a really pretty color lipstick. Um, But that was about it, I I think. And she got in the car and I thought, God, she looks so beautiful right now. Like there's just this radiance about her. But I didn't say anything because I thought, well, that's kind of weird, right? Oh, by the way, I just want to tell you. So the next day we were at the gym together, um, I think it was, and maybe we were getting a smoothie afterwards or something. And I remember that moment and I thought, you know, why didn't I say something? Like, what was I so afraid of? Like, oh, she would Think it was kind of weird, or I don't know. So I said to her, "You know what? I have to tell you the other day when you got in the car, I loved that shade of lipstick you had on, and you just you just looked really beautiful. Beautiful. You looked really radiant. And I was going to say something, and I didn't. And I've just decided that I want to say something. So I just wanted you to know that. And she was really, you know, she she looked happy to hear that, and she was very sweet and grateful. And I was glad that I said something. So, um. It's the same thing with you know, situations where somebody hurts your feelings and you don't say anything and then you put the relationship at risk because those unspoken things, because you're afraid of what other people think, those unspoken experiences build up over time and they just draw wedges between us. And that's ultimately, there are some times when I think when I have those moments you know, of being with somebody and telling the truth about how I feel, whether it's something positive or something hard and not so positive, um, but it's loving and it's authentic. And I think, wow, this is really, this is what life's all about, right? It's about being honest with one another. It's about taking risks to say how you really feel. It's being willing to invest in the relationship and, um and letting people know that um you know letting people know what matters to you and uh and being a very grateful recipient of what matters to others right and other people's opinions and experiences and truth as well so um I would just challenge you this week to look for the places where you feel something for someone you feel something loving towards somebody and be brave enough to say it or you, somebody says something to you, and you think, "Wow, that just, that just really hurt my feelings." And my natural tendency is to just not say anything, to sort of, you know, ignore it or stuff it. And I'm going to just say something. You know, I just want to be honest with you. That really hurt my feelings. Or you might have a strong opinion about something, a topic in a conversation at work or with friends after dinner with friends, or when you're with family. And just being able to say, "My opinion is." Or the way I feel about this, I respect how you feel, but I just want to like name my truth here. I just want to say what I feel. So I just think that the gift we get in being honest with one another and practicing having more of an allegiance to truth and authenticity than being liked or not judged, um, having more an allegiance to truth creates. Being willing to be vulnerable creates a kind of intimacy that feeds all of us in a way that dismantles this tribal mentality that we are all subject to. Um, uh, God, there's a word that I can't think of right now, but we're sort of indoctrinated into this tribal mentality that has us trying to conform and fit in and, you know make ourselves smaller or thinner or, you know, uh, more appropriate, Um, you know, tribal mentality doesn't create intimacy and connection. It gives you the illusion of that. But it's not true intimacy. Vulnerability and truth, authentically stating what's going on for you, is what creates intimacy. It's what creates This feeling of belonging and connection that is quite healing. It heals a lot of things. (laughs) And interestingly enough, when you look at the research that's being done in psychedelic use, one of the things, one of the profound experiences people talk about over and over again is this profound sense of love and connectedness and oneness with all beings, with all that is. And I think the key to feeling that more and more in our daily lives is this willingness to be truthful and vulnerable and to just not give as much attention to self-protection and caring what other people think. Obviously, you don't want to be vulnerable with toxic people who harm you. Um, You want to do that in a way that's safe. But I'm talking about just in everyday life, you know, practicing in little ways um, to just care more about what you think and your truth and your authentic experience and less about fitting in, being liked, not being judged, not pissing people off. Uh, I suspect it's a powerful way to build self-esteem and a sense of self-worth. And you show up and you're far more, you know, people who are honest, uh, we're attracted to people who are honest. And we feel safer with people who are honest in gracious ways. And so anyway, that's my challenge to you this week. And I know I'm going to be practicing that more, just really just being more vulnerable and more truthful in my everyday life. And to be less, who knows? God only knows what I might be writing about or publishing (laughs) or posting here or on Instagram or Twitter. I don't know, I might turn into a crazy woman. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, okay. So let's, um, let's I'm going to look at your comments, see. Uh, oh, Ellen, here's a great example. Ellen says, Oh my God, last night I played a bad round of golf and felt so embarrassed. And I suspect you were going to say in front of everybody else. There's a great example. Ellen, instead of, so when we feel embarrassed or ashamed, here's what happens. We go in, shame disconnects us. It's secret. It's a secret, right? I've talked about this before on Facebook Live. When we feel embarrassed, when we feel, so let's just stick with this. When we feel embarrassed, we kind of go inward, right? What if, Ellen, you had said, oh, my God, I just have to say this out loud. I can't believe, like, I'm really beating myself up right now. Or I'm feeling really embarrassed because um, I played so poorly. And you know what I'm really upset about? That I'm feeling embarrassed about it. like So I played poorly. It's a game. Sometimes I'm going to be great. Trust me. My dad was a golfer. <laughs> sometimes I'm going to be great and sometimes I'm not. So that's just, it's a beautiful example, Ellen, of how we could really do ourselves such a disservice by um, beating, like h- how to wreck a great experience. So you didn't play well. Is it the end of the world? I don't think so. And um the minute you start to feel embarrassed about things like that, what happens is you begin to believe the stories in your head. I'm such a loser. These people are I'm making this up. These people are better than me. Um, they're not going to want to golf with me. I'm embarrassed. I'm not, I'm not in their league. Like whatever those foolish, they're all stories. They're all not true. And they're all, con, they're all constructed by the personality. They're not constructed. The soul wouldn't go, hey, Ellen, you suck. You didn't play golf well. You should be really ashamed of yourself. Like the soul would never do that. Anyway. Okay. Um, Yeah. um, Alicia says, Michelle Obama said in a recent clip that she saw something like, just put it on the table and let everyone deal with it. Yeah. It's sort of like, just put it on the table. You know, when was it, there's a, the interviews going around between Kanye West, uh, the interview that Jimmy Kimmel did with Kanye West, if you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. Um, I was not familiar with Kanye West's music. I certainly knew who he was, but there's a, and and there are people who are you know have a lot of strong feelings about him. I don't know him. I don't have strong feelings about him. But when I watched this interview, there were certain parts of the interview where he talked about um, he was attempting to talk about how we get these are my words indoctrinated into conforming, fitting into the model of society. And we don't want to rock the boat or we don't want to be seen as some outrageous, you know, he's pretty outrageous. And why is he so popular? Because there's some part of us that longs to be able to put it all out on the table and speak the truth and we don't do it. And please, God, may you start doing it before you leave this lifetime. And so um, it's an interesting article. I encourage you to, uh, I mean, interesting interview. Check it out on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, Joanne says, I chose not to go to university many years ago because I was terrified. I was afraid of looking foolish if I got lost on campus, meeting new people, and God forbid, being criticized and on and on. I did end up learning social work skills on the job and did well in my career. I'm grateful for that. However, what a missed opportunity based on fears. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is college time here uh, in the States. Um, I've got Two nephews that are—I'm having dinner with one of my nephews tonight. As a matter of fact, such a vulnerable time, right? They—they they leave the family system, one tribe. They go into college. Now that's a brand new tribe. There's so much concern about what other people think, and you know, making new friends. I mean, it's such a vulnerable time, which is why I actually think going to college later in life is sometimes a better choice um, because you're more grown up and you can sort of deal with those social fears. But you're right, it's a good example of, um, good example, Joanne, of how we rob ourselves of rich experiences because we're trying to avoid, we're scared and we're trying to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Um, Let's see, I'm just going to look through some of your, um, and if you have questions, feel free to post them as well. So um, Christina says, "Whenever I take the risk of saying something in the moment, people look at me weird. That's okay. I bet you're getting used to that." (laughs) Um, Yeah, Elise. Yeah. Okay. Good. So let's see. um, Cindy's. So Susan says, "Unspoken feelings are like bricks in a wall that builds up over time, without a doubt." Absolutely. So it's why we need to be really honest and vulnerable in our relationships so that we um, we can actually move closer to one another um, instead of further away. Great. I'm glad, Jess, you're taking on the challenge. Um, Kaz says, I'm so sensitive, though. I'd be saying how hurt I was so much. <laughs> I understand that. I'm sensitive, too. Um, you can talk about being hurt to other people to kind of um, process the experience, and then decide whether or not you want to say it to the person. In that moment, you don't have to be honest in the moment. You can always go back to remember. Um, okay, uh, Robin says, I found for myself. My opening line is, "Wow, I have a very I have a story about that. If you'd like to hear it, okay, so." you talking about your own story or a story? I wonder, Robin, Um, are you talking about uh, here's the story I'm telling myself or is it that it's your way of sort of feeling like you have permission to share your opinion? I wonder which one that is. Um, Yeah, the oneness is true humility from humus of the earth. Yeah, feeling authentic, Susan says, that authentic connection. Exactly right. Um, so let's see. Um, oh, I see Robin. Yeah, I found for myself my opening line as wow, I have a very different story about that if you'd like to hear it. It's a great way of um, sharing a different opinion, sure. John wants to know, how can I be more truthful without hurting other people's feelings? Sometimes you are going to hurt other people's feelings. I think our, we have a responsibility, John, to. We have a responsibility for how we deliver truth. Um, if you're yelling at somebody, if you're curt or, uh, you know, um, just rude about how you deliver the truth, I think that's going to be a problem. But um, one of the things we have to really learn is to be able to say, you know, can I just talk to you about the story I told myself about that or how I feel about that or here's my thinking um, or here's, um, you know, here's, I, I want to I share my opinion but it might not be popular. Are you okay with that? Like I'm trying to think of ways that we can begin to be honest in um, gracious and loving ways so that we don't just avoid being honest altogether because we don't know how to do it. And that said, sometimes you're going to hurt feelings. You can always go back and apologize. It's another great um, important thing to know. Let's see. Um, yes, Deborah says, this is the root of so many real problems people hide from. Oh my, lo- my goodness. Can I tell you as a coach, I can't tell you how many times during conversations with people who will have an experience at work, let's say, and um, start making up stories in their head. And I listen to them. They'll talk about something that happened, how they're upset about it. And then they start making up these stories. And I'll listen for a few minutes, and then I'll just say, okay, hold on a second. Everything you just said is a story you made up in your head that you're now arguing with, or you're defending against, or you're debating. How about checking out, finding out what the truth is? How about saying, I'm really confused about Last exchange, or I may have misunderstood something. Can I get some clarity on it instead of making up stories and then defending yourself against those stories? You do that all the time, and it's insanity, people. It's insanity. Um, Are women more prone to not being authentic compared to men? Nope, it's an equal opportunity, um, an equal opportunity challenge. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So um, Brenda says, I find myself holding myself back because of the toxic people of the past. Fear of being shot, fear of being shot down again if I speak my truth. I've come a long way, but it's a work in progress. We all are. I am. I teach this stuff and I'm always, I always feel like I'm a work in progress in terms of learning to be more uh, just honest and authentic about how I feel. And yeah, if you've, you know, one of the things that happens as we start to practice telling the truth and caring less about what other people think is it may very well bring up some past trauma or past experiences where um, we were shot down or we were embarrassed or humiliated or treated inappropriately, in which case you you may now very well be presented with an, uh, an opportunity to heal. It's a great opportunity to maybe um, do some healing work with a good therapist where you can process the experience, feel the feelings, allow your your body to speak to you. I mean uh, it is a byproduct of being more and more honest and truthful. Old wounds can get activated and to me that's just an opportunity to heal. The more healing we do, the more courage we have and the more able we are to be honest and truthful with people. Let's see. Okay, so I'm just reading here. Um, yes, Sylvie says, usually when I feel ashamed about something, I tend to turn it into a joke. Example, did I tell you that my handicap in golf is is all what it is, is all what is in my bag? <laughs> I don't get that, Sylvie. I'm not a golfer, but... Um, but yeah, instead of making something a joke, how about just being honest with, I'm feeling really vulnerable right now. I'm feeling really embarrassed by what just happened. Um, Monica, I wish I spoke your language. Alguna manera de trad- traducto de lo que di- I, I can't speak your language, sweetheart. I wish I could. Um, okay. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna see. So if you've got any questions, um, yeah, Melissa, stay humble, said the Little League coach of the Hawaiian team. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, Melissa, that's part of a much longer conversation I see that you have here. Um, Carolyn says, how can I fully appreciate a moment with someone like on vacation and let them know rather than regretting not saying anything later? Just start by practicing. You know, it's really vulnerable to be intimate with someone and to tell them that I'm so, like just yesterday when I was at the beach um, riding waves with um, some friends of mine, we had planned, the, these are two friends of mine that I've known for a long time, almost 30 years, and we had planned it a while back. And um, we've been together a long time. We don't see each other all the time, but we've been together a long time. And um, Carolyn, I was sitting at the beach, Ken was on one side, Julie was on the other. And we had just been in the water riding waves and then we were just sitting there and i just felt so much love for the both of them and i said to the both of them you know i'm so grateful that after 30 years we're still together and that we still come here and we behave like children and we have fun at the beach and also that we're there for one another there's a way in which our history lets us know like when my dad died you know they both showed up from quite a distance um at the wake. And I was just so moved by that. There was something about them. I hadn't seen them in a long time. And the fact that they were there, just really, I felt like they were soul family. And I wanted them to know that Carolyn in that moment. And so I took a risk and I said it and what happened was so beautiful. You know, the, both of them talked about how, how much they appreciated the trusting relationship that we had formed, the history that we shared, the fact that we would be there for one another, you know, when push came to shove and how precious and treasured, uh, worthy of being treasured that experience is. And so it ended up just making us feel closer and just it was really beautiful. And so I would encourage you to take a risk and to do that, Carolyn, um, to do that more and more. You might be really surprised by what happens and the permission you give other people to be vulnerable and honest as well. Um, Let's see, Joanna says, how about politics or alternative views? That's a very touchy subject, having friends from different parts of the world on Facebook and different faiths. I refrain from sharing content a lot just so I won't get into arguments. Yeah, you know, Joanna, that's a really, that's, it's tricky. I struggle with the same thing, you know, because, I mean, I have a pretty broad audience of people, all different faiths, different political views, and I try to be respectful. I can only speak from my own experience. Um, what I do know is, butting heads with people doesn't accomplish anything. Looking for agreement, being truthful. like for example, I can. Here's my truth. Politics aside, or um, you know, religious views aside, you might say that you know I care about the planet. I care about animals. I care about having clean food and protecting wildlife and protecting sacred places. Um, I care about the quality of the air we breathe and the food we eat. So for me, it's more, I I try to find communion through humanity. And, um, you know, we all want clean air and clean water and um, chemical-free food. I mean, we all want to live, right? We all want to stay alive on the planet. And so there's, I, I try to look for what we have in common. And I'm not interested in arguing or, or, or poking people or um, getting into... I'm not interested in debate as sport. I'm interested in raising consciousness. And so if I'm able, if I feel like I can do that in a situation, I will. And if I feel like I can't, then I keep my mouth shut. Um, But there are days, Joanna, where there inside me lives a very pissed off, opinionated, powerful, enraged woman who really wants to be heard. And I give her safe places to be heard. And who knows? She may be more public someday. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, John, I'm glad. Yeah, there you go. He says, thank you, Cheryl. I can see now it's the way I communicate my truth and the intention behind sharing my truth that can influence how my words are received without a doubt, John, without a doubt. And you know, good coaching can actually teach us how to communicate more effectively, um, how to have I mean, because really what you want, John, is truthful connections, right? You want to feel heard and you want to hear. you want to listen and you want to feel heard. and so if we're abrupt or yelling or you know ungracious in some way, we're never, ever going to be heard, and there's never going to be connection. If anything we're going to just create disconnection. Um, Okay, so let's see. I know we're going to wrap up pretty soon here. Um, Susan says, do alcoholics have a harder time speaking their truth? Um, It's an interesting question, Susan. I guess what I would say to you is alcoholics have a disease that needs to be treated and And anytime anybody's under the influence of anything, it would be very difficult to discern truth from effects of any kind of addiction, any kind of mental illness, for example. Until that's treated, it's hard to know um, what the truth is. So it's hard for the person to know what the truth is. So that's where, you know, what's interesting about addiction, and this is, again, I go back to the whole sort of psychedelic research area, you know, I believe that one of the fundamental needs of the addict is a sense of belonging and community. That, I think that's a big part of healing. It's why the 12-step groups have been very successful. And so um, I think those, those who are under the influence of addiction have a hard time discerning what the truth is. And um, when they can get into community and they can get this, the help that they need, they can get more connected to what the truth is, and then you're able to speak it. I think we all have a hard time speaking the truth. Remember, we are all raised in a tribal environment worldwide, and the goal is—you know—our school systems are set up where everybody, you know, sit in your desk in a row, conform, um, speak—you know—fit into this narrow uh, system, or um, you know, just just fit in, behave. Fall in line. Don't rock the boat. Don't upset the apple cart. I mean, that's how we're all raised. That does not create connected, honest, vulnerable, authentic human beings. It creates robots that look like they're doing a great job of being honest and vulnerable and connecting. But at the end of the day, when we go to bed, most of us feel lonely and disconnected and like something's missing. And usually that something is us. Okay. Um, So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it at that and just say to you all, thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate that. I really hope you'll take the challenge this week in simple little ways to be more honest and more vulnerable, to care less what other people think and more about your own truth and the graciousness with which you deliver that truth or the vulnerability with which you deliver that truth. Um, remember, I'm going to, I'll pick a couple people at random and I'm going to give away the um, Anne-Marie Gianni. uh, I'm still trying to get used to this. Here we go. Anne-Marie Gianni sun love, the sunscreen that I absolutely love. And thank you to um, Anne-Marie Gianni for sending a couple of those so I could give them away. Um, I'm going to try and do that like every now and then on a Facebook live. I'm just going to, I like sending gifts to people. So I'll pick a couple of people at random. I'll um, under the reply I'll ask you to send your address to my assistant Lisa. And um, and then I'll send you a little card and little surprise gift along with the sunscreen. How's that? All right. So thank you for being here. Um, there are spots available in the Self-Care by the Sea retreat at the end of October. I'm going to be doing this retreat with my husband Michael. Some of you may have seen him at other retreats. Um, Is a therapist and a fitness expert, and also a very gifted intuitive. And we're going to be working together to help create that shift that I was talking about. So, you can, um, I'll put a link in here to the self care by the sea retreat. And if you want to read more about this whole idea of speaking your truth and um, overcoming the tribal mentality, you can, I write about that in my most recent book, Waking Up in Winter in search of what really matters at midlife. And you can check that out. I'll put a link to that book here as well. So um, thank you for being here with me. I'm grateful to all of you for your comments and your hearts and your thumbs up. And um, I'll look forward to talking with you again next time. Okay? All right, everybody. Have a beautiful week. (laughs) Bye.